You are listening to Down Home. I was doing a bit of research on Donald Trump and his campaign against critical race theory back in 2020. Then I stumbled across this. Getting critical race theory out of our schools is not just a matter of values. It's also a matter of national survival. Those remarks are from one of his rallies three months ago in 2022. CRT continues to be a hot-button topic for right-wing folks in North America. What is critical race theory anyway? It is a graduate-level concept which attempts to explain how historical racism, which is the result of slavery and Jim Crow laws, continues to be ingrained in law and other institutions. In other words, racism is not only the result of individual bigotry, but it's systemic. CRT was an obscure academic concept until Trump's war on equity and diversity training back in 2020. Now it's become the catch-all boogeyman to scare parents into fighting against equity and diversity education. Why is CRT such a hot-button issue? We explore this question in this week's episode. Joining Jay and I is Heather Chandler, my mom who has an extensive resume working in the area of equity and diversity in Nova Scotia, both on the provincial level in government and in the municipal level in education. Welcome to Down Home, the Nova Scotian experience from two black men. I'm Derek Wise, and as always, we have Jay Jones. What's happening? And uh, this week, a uh, very special guest, uh, we have Heather Chandler, who is my mother. Hey, Mom. Hello. We're, we're basically having a roundtable discussion this week about critical race theory, um, which is quite pertinent, which was with what's going on in North America the last uh, couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, so mom, how, how do you think we got here? Why is CRT such a, a talking point? Well, I'm glad that you start with that question because it's always important to know how we've reached this stage. And these are only my humble personal views. Mm-hmm. I do believe that we've reached this stage because we have not done the work that we should have been doing since slavery, really. Mm. And, you know, I intend to put some information around that because it's often harsh, especially for dominant culture to hear that. Um, The first reaction to that statement like that is, well, you know, look how far we've come. And granted, we have made advances. We have made advances. But when you look at, and I keep saying this to groups and individuals and leaders of organizations, show me who's at the top of your organization. And I'll show you how much work you've been doing in terms of 
any kind of critical examination. And so when you talk about critical race theory, and I'm not a lawyer, I'm not a critical race theorist, but I worked in and around justice for the majority of my um, career as an equity practitioner. And so I have some understanding of what critical race theory means. Critical race theory is all about examining policies, practices, and procedures where it relates to justice, to deconstruct barriers that exist for designated people. In this case, and in most cases, you're talking about black and brown people. Mm -hmm. And so the minute you say we're going to deconstruct your system, uh, there's an automatic, oh, wait now, how is that going to impact me? Yeah. Um, I don't think we should do that. We're moving too quickly. And so that is how we're, we're at this stage because we haven't moved a whole lot, yeah. really, in my mind, since the 60s. Mm-hmm. We've made some huge strides with human rights laws, with various other policies, um, that on the face of them, anti-discrimination policies um, have done some good. We have rules and regulations, whether people follow them or not is another question. But, you know, how, how substantive are the changes or have the changes been? I think you'd have to look at, for example, justice and really examine what has happened since human rights legislation to understand what advancements there have been. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's interesting that you mentioned the, the sixties and the civil rights uh, movement. Um, It's almost like there, there's been a stall there, there's been a lot of theorizing about uh, systemic racism, whatnot. And that a lot of that's actually come out of critical race theory, I believe. Mm -hmm. But, you know, the the striking down and the ignoring of of um, of CRT, uh, it's almost like you're you're ignoring what uh, what's gone on since the 60s. So it's almost like there's a hard stop point, you know, the, the civil rights movement. All of a sudden, uh, people think that we've moved into that that post-racial society concept, you know, mm-hmm. um, even though we all know that's not the case. Right, yeah. right. And, you know, while we're on the term of racism and all the rest of it, I want to add a disclaimer that I am at a personal war with the word race and racism. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, I believe that our language is so um, powerful that we know that history history has shown us and it is the case that race was invented by it society mm-hmm. it's a social construct, construct yep. and that's all very basic and happy to say when you really come down to it we're still dividing ourselves from dominant culture in meaningful ways by saying that we are another race 
Um, I know that we have to use words to communicate, but I really, I really wish that as a society we would get beyond dividing black and brown people mm-hmm. as something extraordinary or not normal, quote unquote normal. Yeah. Understanding that we are of a different ethnicity, yes, we are, mm-hmm. yeah. but we are of the same race. At any rate, that's my. No, that's a, that's a very good point. Like years ago, even before slavery, there was a thing called, uh, I hope I'm saying it right, the Bacon's Revolution, or um, where a lot of the, the, the British that came over, um, they brought servants with them. Um, some of them were black, and they even had whites. And then um, wherever they congregated, um, the white servants and the black servants decide to sort of get together to overpower the rulers. And, um, and there was an uprising. Before that uprising, um, basically, there, you know, there, there, were, there was slavery and whatnot before the, um, the Atlantic slave trade. Yes. But it was more akin to, in, in Europe anyway, it was more akin to a de- indentured servitude. Sure. So yeah. you, you, would, you would basically work your way off, if you could, of, mm-hmm. of the, the indentured servitude. So when, of course, when the, uh, the elites, these uh, British elites came over to North America, they brought their indentured servitudes with them, exactly. both, both yeah. black and white. Yeah. <laughs> but that uprising that you're talking about, Jay, um, I don't know if it was if it was conscious or not, but then you had the elite saying, Oh my goodness, like there's more of them than us. Yeah. (laughs) And that's, that's where they decided to take a power and they tried to sort of break them down as far as race go or, or religion and different things like that. And when that kind of didn't work, they sort of broke it down, started to break it down into race and sort of, you know, Mm. well, the uh, concept of race came from that, came from that. Yeah. Yeah. Like skin color. And then they said, okay, well, and then you with know. the slave trade, it morphed yeah. into slavery. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so how do you know, I, I'll go back to the question again. Um, how did we get here? Um, another simple answer is by ignoring the past. Mm. So, you know, we made advancements, I believe, in terms of equity up into a certain point. And then we started building in some pretty strong language like affirmative action Mm -hmm. and that's when that's when the backlash really started and so you know those who are hard right or those who do not believe that there should be equity if it means they're sharing resources um really dug their heels in and they're still digging their heels in yeah um around equity practices that bring in folks that are not within the dominant culture. Yeah. So it seems to me that whenever there's any progress around um, integration, for example, there is a backlash and a fight and things stall. People are fearful of speaking out against discrimination, and they still are fearful of that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. you know, if you ask how we got here, it's through lack of, I wouldn't call it motivation. I think people are motivated to change, but I think that there is true fear of stepping out, 
-hmm. stepping out of the circle and saying, I will not follow this practice. I want to bring in X, Y, and Z. There's absolutely no reason why, for example, um, colleges don't go out and heavily recruit groups that they don't see in their classrooms. Mm -hmm. Medicine, for example, here at Dalhousie has a huge initiative right now where they are going to schools and communities trying to recruit, recruit rather, um, students from black and brown communities. Right. Um, it's that kind of work that needs to happen. It needs to be deliberate. It needs to be um, built in, in policy, so that when administration changes, they didn't get thrown out or the practice and policy doesn't get thrown out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there, there are some people that um, think that you're, we're not able to fix the existing, existing systems and they have to be torn down and built up again. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, what, do you, what do you guys think of that? Because um, it seems that is at the root of um, the fear uh, of change as well, right? What, what do you guys think of that? Jay. Um, well, I mean, just for the simple fact that uh, everything surrounding these issues are all sort of ingrained in law, which I think paints the picture of people thinking that it can't change. And, you know, it gets so we just get so sucked into this way of life that we we think it's the only way. And then, you know, the way sort of slavery came about, the way black people of color are often treated, it's it's just a constant thing. And I, for me, that's what seems to sort of darken the whole thing. Why change, change can't happen is because even though, you know, here, especially in Canada, even though, you know, racism is kind of, you know, covered up a little bit, it still exists. And, you know, and just going back to what you were saying about race, like we created these differences and therefore it just leaks into everything else. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's tough because um, where do we if where do we go from here? Um, I, like like Mom was saying, the hard work has to be done, mm -hmm. um, and it is hard work, and and we need um, we need uh, champions to do it. Like we need people that are at, at the forefront and at the top of these organizations to actually do meaningful change. And are yeah. they really willing to put in uh, meaningful change? Yeah. You know, I have to question that my own organization that I work for, you know, since the summer of 2020, there's been a lot of, uh, of, of, uh, you know, superficial changes. Mm -hmm. I hate to say it, but it's very superficial. I, I haven't seen a lot of change. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, the, they're saying the right words, <laughs> yeah. you know, the, yeah. the right, the great committees are being formed. Yeah. But is that real change? I don't know. It, it doesn't seem like it to me. It really doesn't. It's, it's an interesting thing. Um, I've worked both in private and public sector. Um, when I worked in government, it's such a, a huge entity that it is very often difficult to find the person who really should champion the cause of equity. Um, it got easier. It got easier to the point where um, at least two of the ministers responsible for uh, human resources 
actually uh, participated in the equity workshops that I and others were providing. Um, it absolutely is necessary that you have commitment, true commitment from the leaders of the organization, but you also need commitment from people throughout. So champions are not just the highest paid. Um, I often say to people now that the very best policies are torn apart and thrown out by um, everyday workers in the organization. You don't have to be a leader to destroy any plan of equity. It can happen at all levels. So, you know, the last uh, full-time job I held was with the former, called the former Halifax Regional School Board. Mm -hmm. And I have to say, it was probably among the most positive experiences I had for one reason. And that is because the leader of the organization was absolutely committed to equity. Right. She showed that by um, participating in the workshops with me. Yeah. That's leadership. Mm -hmm. And speaking leadership, um, relating um, how she felt about equity at every opportunity. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, what changes did it bring? It meant that there were equity hires. It meant that there was a renewed anti-discrimination policy for employees and students. And to follow that up, there uh, was a designated position to help people um, dismantle arguments that would come up. Um, so that's actually how I started with the whole mediation. Mm -hmm arm of my career so it's that kind of commitment yeah. that is rare i can tell yeah. you that is rare yeah. and i've worked in this area since before the 70s yeah and always people just they'll say to you just tell me what to do and then you tell them what to do and they'll say well we can't do that yeah. What's the next? <laughs> what's, the next <laughs> what's on the next on the list? Yeah. So it's that's the... how we are where we are now. Yeah. There really is a lack of commitment. Sometimes there's a lack of knowledge about what to do. Mm -hmm. um, there certainly isn't enough monitoring when these grand policies are crafted and approved by yeah. either legislation or whatever. There's nobody to monitor what's going on. Mm. So you, you start with a benchmark. And what does it mean if you have an equity policy? Well, it should mean mm -hmm. an increase in black and brown and people with disabilities and any other designated group. Yeah. Okay. So you do a count. You know, it's that kind of methodic, deliberate, practice that brings about equity in an organization mm -hmm. you don't get it just by osmosis no, no there's a there's a bill in ontario uh that people are concerned about it's called bill 67 yes. it's known as the racial equity in education system act 
Um, and the bill aims to ensure that anti-racism and racial uh, equity are key aspects of Ontario's education system from kindergarten through post-secondary education. Do you have any uh, sort of feelings about that as far as Canada's role in uh, CRT? Interesting, you should say. I, <laughs> I feel strongly that uh, we need education from the time we start school. And people say, oh, you can't teach. Oh, you can't teach little kids. Well, yes, you can. Mm. Teach them at their level about equity. Mm -hmm. People do it all the time. Yeah. I have white friends, and I'm sure you guys do too, white able-bodied children who have a sense of what it is not to be treated fairly. Mm -hmm. They also have a sense of what it means when uh, they are an advocate for someone who's not being treated fairly. Mm -hmm. Their parents have educated them about that level of inequity. It's possible. Yeah. So that hopefully you know, as these people develop, they will know and develop and practice um, equity. I think mm -hmm. it should exist in all schools at all levels. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So, so is it possible that legislation like that, if uh, applied properly, maybe um, that will help to kind of uh, cease any type of uh, issues that we see down the states from bleeding up here, like down the states where they're in certain uh, states, they're banning books. Yeah, they're, <laughs> they're passing they're, laws yeah, like where it's illegal. <laughs> yeah, they're and they're censuring historical education um, all under the guise of CRT. Now, mm. it will I wonder, will legislation like that try uh, maybe stem the tide of the, those types of uh, sentiments bleeding up here? Good question. Uh, first of all, I don't think that that issues from the states lead north. I think no? that it all happens simultaneously. Good point. Yes, good point. I believe, and and there's some, there are lots of issues that happen in Canada that are, are very much similar. To what's happening in the states mm -hmm. we don't talk about it yeah no you know you do hear about it through word of mouth uh if you happen to see a um something on social media um so that's where we get fooled into this false sense of well we haven't gone that far yet mm -hmm. uh yes we have mm -hmm. we've had racially visible teens killed in Canada. I would call those hate crimes. Mm -hmm. We have had uh, people beaten up because of their ethnicity. Mm -hmm. I would call those hate crimes. I would say that policies are only as good as the monitoring that happens after they're adopted. Right, yeah, true. Yeah. Um, I believe that policies are a great start, and um, but I do believe that there are people who can duck and dodge and get around it and under it and over it in order not to practice according to policy. Mm -hmm. um, you know, have there been books banned? I wouldn't say that that's 
something that I've heard of publicly doesn't mean it doesn't happen. Yeah. I am sure that there are educators somewhere who just don't open them. Yeah. Yeah. That's true too. But in, in the States, especially, it's really just a, a big thing <laughs> they're doing. It's, you know, with, with the population, with the population down there, whenever you bring up CRT, they, take it as an attack that you're calling them racist or, yeah. or something and you know what are you teaching our, our white children and stuff like that it's the fact that uh, america itself you know and maybe canada too uh doesn't want to look at their history and that's just yeah. foolish just like you said if the next generation can't be taught how do we get better you know yeah yeah that's true but um i think we 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 do get caught in um comparing ourselves to the americans like i do i do it all the time and, mm. and vanessa my wife pulls me up on it all a lot yeah but um it uh and i think mom's point is is correct i think uh there are a lot of things that happen simultaneously all over north america yeah mm. but much like the jim crow laws that were codified in the southern states there was still jim crow up here mm -hmm. absolutely so a lot of, yeah is there's 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 not a lot of things that are codified here but they're they're actually it's in practice yeah yeah so we might not be banning books but like mom said there there might be a reading list with certain um equity and diversity type uh resources there but there might be certain teachers that just say okay i know that's on the list yeah. but we're going to go in this direction yeah yeah, yeah for sure yeah. And another issue on education i know that in this region um, there is, there are a number of excellent uh, First Nations educators who have developed developed curriculum, and but it's an elective mm -hmm. for high school. Mm -hmm. So I mean, therein lies one of the erasers for equity. Yeah. You know, if you're trying to educate around history in order not to repeat it. And you have a, an entire piece or segment of education that people don't have to listen to mm. if they don't want to. Yeah. And what does that say? Yeah. You know? Mm. Um, yeah. 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 Well, I mean, there's also, I also just looked at this article as well. It was like critical race theory in Canadian schools. And it says many Canadians believe critical race theory isn't prevalent in Canada. They're convinced critical race theory is just an American issue, but they're wrong. Critical race theory is just as prevalent in Canada as it is in America. Actually, it's probably more acceptable acceptable in Canada than it is in America. That's that's a funny thing about Canada is like everything becomes acceptable. Like it's kind of hidden a little bit, you know? Yeah. Well, you know, it should be noted that there are some national and I dare say probably international interest cases that came out of Canada, Nova Scotia, for example, mm -hmm. the um, uh, Viola Desmond case was one that she was tried and there, there I've read that case um, and there's no mention of racism. They wouldn't, mm. it's mm. not mentioned legally. Yeah. She was tried for fraud. Yeah. yeah. One cent. 
Exactly. (laughs) There's another one, Queen versus RDS, when you're talking about critical race theory. When it first raised its head in Nova Scotia, it was raised by a local judge, Judge Corrine Sparks, who understanding because of her context as a Black Nova Scotian, she had some awareness about police behavior, negative police behavior toward Black people. Mm-hmm. Had she not said that on the bench, that would never have caused any ripple at all in the judiciary or in the justice system. But it rippled across Canada mm-hmm. because the argument then was how dare she mm-hmm. bring her ethnicity, they use the word race, <laughs> bring her race into this. Mm. You know, when when the the truth is that we all work on the information that is our ethnicity. Exactly. The dominant culture has no, if you have no knowledge of any other way or mean in our society, then that's your context. My context is different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you would think that in a society where we're supposed to be advancing, that all of the information from all contexts would be considered. Yeah, yeah, you would think it's um. That's that's a hard question, actually. That's that's a hard situation. Like it, um, what what what's the motivation of the dominant culture to to embrace that though? Yeah, I don't know. That's the thing, you know. Unless, unless we hold organizations and government to to a, to account, I don't think they have a motivation. So we have to talk about it. We have yeah. to push policy. We have Absolutely. to point out the inequalities. We have to do all of this, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Otherwise, I don't. It's unfortunate, but who's going to drive that bus? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, sorry, go ahead, Jim. Oh, no, it's just, yeah, it's just the struggle continues. I think it's always sort of going to be that way until something happens and we break through somehow, you know? Mm. Well, I look at what's happening here, and and I must say I've been out of the loop for a little while Mm -hmm. um, by choice. Um, We have currently an organization here. Um, African Nova Scotian Department of African Nova Scotian Affairs. It's a provincial body. And they are now doing public consultations around justice province-wide. So that's that's another increment. It's been done before, but it's okay that we keep doing it. Mm -hmm. Then, you know, the critical piece is, okay, you know, we're going to take all of the information from these consultations. What are we going to do with it? How do we build change? And then how do we go back five years, 10 years from now and measure that change, whatever it is, whatever the recommendations are. Mm -hmm. But otherwise, like you say, Derek, it's NJ, it's business as usual. Yeah. You know, we get do a little flurry for a while mm-hmm. and then things settle down, yeah. settle down. Yeah. 
just sort of curiosity mom because you've been um you've been doing uh equity work for quite a long time yeah um what incremental changes have you seen over the years like uh just just even going back to the 90s when i think that's when you joined the province uh wasn't it was it the 90s early 90s early 90s like actually late 80s is when i joined that's right casual yeah and i was permanent in the 90s but changes you tend to see and i'm pleased to say i do see um leaders within government who are non-traditional they're black and brown and asian and first nations and people with disabilities i do see an increase um so you know my thing is are they leading are they in leading positions Mm -hmm. we just uh we had a former premier and his name escapes me that's terribly embarrassing anyway but he was really forceful about equity and publicly forceful about equity Mm -hmm. and he appointed leaders in his organization in his administration rather Mm -hmm. um that was a first for me i've never seen it before um in terms of education Um, I dare say there are a whole lot more teachers now because of the equity work that belong to the so-called designated groups. Mm -hmm. Um, Medicine is struggling, you know, he's here and because I do equity work, you do hear and listen to people saying from time to time, the numbers are still not there. Um, Education as a whole has a lot of work to do from Mm -hmm. kindergarten right through. Yeah. As you see, it was my experience to, while I was with the school board to understand that, you know, the, the school system is flooded at the entry level right through to junior high. Mm -hmm. And then the black and brown folks disappear. And at first high school, yeah. Mm-hmm. Although First Nations people generally have increased rates of education these days, thankfully. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's still tons of work to do, still a lot of work to do. But I would say that in most segments, you could see an increase of um, ethnically diverse people. I would ask the question again, are they leaders in the organization? Yeah. That's critical. Yeah. So Jay, blue sky, let's, let's do a blue sky scenario. All right. (laughs) Let's say, you know, we wipe, wipe everything clean. How do you tackle systemic racism going forward? Wow. D (laughs) like that is really blue sky. That is like, That blue sky is almost purple. Um, <laughs> but well, I mean, I would think if you could if you could really scrape it clean and uh, just going back to what Heather was saying as well, like, you know, people laugh at it because we have designed these ways of making us different. But human race, man, like, let's start there and let's have no divide. Right. And, you know, there's good opportunities. And if every system does its work to sort of 
erase their past, then maybe the future will be a little bit brighter for everybody. Especially, and it's not like the kids today don't have access to what's going on. Like mm-hmm. social media does that as well. There, there is some truth out there, and there's also a lot of other stuff that's not so true, which makes the confusion. So, you know, and that leading into that's a place to start as well. Um, is you know, they already know these things. So, you know, once they once everyone's educated and they know their past, uh, you know, the history can be different in the future. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What do you think, Mom? Well, blue sky. Mm. I would call the leaders of all organizations together and they want to know what to do. That's the first thing they say. I want to know what to do. I would hand them the booklet of what they have to do. Yeah. Mm. Now, part of that blue sky is not so blue because if they didn't follow through with the measures, perhaps there would be a bit of a penalty, (laughs) a blue penalty. (laughs) But I mean, there has to be some way of advancing the cause. Mm -hmm. And right now there isn't. Mm -hmm. But anyway, I'm hopeful that incrementally we will be in a different spot in the next decade yeah yeah as you say you know there's a lot of there's a lot of hope i believe it just needs information and it needs instruction yeah not enough to be hopeful Mm -hmm. yeah yeah i would say i would say education is the key yeah um I I would I would want not only just uh, about our past and whatnot, but uh, in every corner of everything. Like it, I I think um, I'm a strong believer that um, the way that we learn isn't how we're taught. Mm-hmm. So I think yeah. it starts there. That's that's very. I think true. it starts there. Like yeah. like this um, sitting in the classroom and writing lines and books and stuff like that that doesn't actually teach anybody anything Mm -hmm. i think experiential learning i I think if we do that and we do it inclusively with everyone then that's a step forward and if we could do it everywhere that would be great because then you'd have you know those students going home and teaching saying hey you know my my friend who happens to be uh black or brown he's i want him to come over yeah like we 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 were doing this today and we went on this field trip and i really enjoy him and i want to hang out yeah this is this is what we're missing Mm -hmm. yeah very true very true and i just share one more thing and you can edit it out if you want no (laughs) when i worked with the school board we had a researcher come in and do a presentation around we were trying to improve the way education was delivered And this woman, who is a former educator, said to the management group, she said, if you took any other discipline, medicine, dentistry, law, you name it, carpentry, plumbing, and you took them from the 18th century and plunked them into 20, I don't know what it was, 2019 or something, 2020, they wouldn't have a clue of what to do with these tools these you know she said if you took 
teachers, educators from the 18th century and plunk them in a classroom, what has changed? Which is sad commentary about mm -hmm. how we have changed our thinking around education. Mm -hmm. So to your point, Derek, I mean, the days of sitting and being quiet and listening are so torturous to yeah. think about. But yeah. anyway. Yeah, I think um, <clears throat> that's the key. I really yeah. do. Yeah. Um, and, you know, just to, not to toot our own horns, but, uh, and this, is, this was a large part of Vanessa, but she really wanted to push that the kids had a, um, a different, learning experience mm -hmm. um so they did go through the alternative system it was it wasn't like too alternative but there was a lot of experiential learning all the way up into middle school like but then we looked at the high schools and the high schools like the experiential learning high schools there they were they were lacking too much mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. there's got to be a middle ground like, yeah. you mm -hmm. know for everyone yeah. but the you know the the learning about social justice issues that all that stuff it's it's i think it's key and i think it's key when the kids are younger yes you know um yeah. this this uh stuff that's gone on in the states about you know i don't want to teach my kids about the past they can't handle it like mom was saying at the beginning there that's the time that you teach them yeah yeah, yeah. is yeah. when they're younger uh, yeah. you know it's like when you think you know i know i always go back to america but, but uh you know where slavery started there was 11 generations of slavery and then there was jim crow so you know these are the things we have to overcome and it may not happen in in 10 years from now i hope we we have furthered but it's still going to take a few more it may take 11 generations for us to get out of it but d you're right you know education is key like you know well i was listening to a podcast today um and it was uh, the, um, the Daily from New York Times. And part of, the, part of the reason why there is such a backlash towards, um, you know, uh, equity, education, and CRT is because the younger generations are, are so progressive. But the, but the thing is, they're, they're searching out this information themselves, though. They're not getting yeah. it out of school. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So they're they're and and their attitudes are more progressive. They they don't believe, and we saw that actually when in the summer of 2020, there was a lot of younger uh, people of different ethnicities mm -hmm. standing shoulder to shoulder, saying Absolutely. this is wrong, this yeah. is wrong. Yeah. You know? yeah. But unfortunately, a lot of that education didn't come from the schools, though. Yeah. It. Uh, yeah. So I think this is what needs to change. Yeah. It's like everything in these systems, man. Like those are the things that you know from education to justice to everything like that's where the problem lies man and hopefully these kids that are standing together with with different people of ethnicities hopefully blue sky they come together blue sky. And do their thing <laughs> you know well you got a blue sky you have to do yeah. that yeah <laughs> mom do you have anything to to add before we wrap up no just accept one thing to say, just kudos to you guys for continuing the conversations, for doing these programs in such a thoughtful way, for having, you know, a diverse group of guests that you've had. I've enjoyed every single one. Um, it's just fantastic. So 
Thank you. That's that's much appreciated. Thank you. That means that means a lot. You know, Um, means a lot. You know, uh, you know, you're Derek's mom, but you were also one of my role models too. You know, so it's 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 amazing to hear 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 those words from you. Honored. Yeah. You have been listening to Down Home. Subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. On a high plateau. Awesome. And uh, we'll, we'll see you in a couple weeks. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's going to be party time. I can't wait. Yeah. Maybe we'll go away for the weekend and you guys can have the house. Oh, hey. That's, well, that's, that, that's just like old times. I know. <laughs> Yeah, except this time I, I could take digital pictures of where everything needs to be instead of drawing pictures. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. yeah. Derek exactly. was making blueprints. The, the, you know, the side table goes oh, there. Man, you guys. To see what you find, revolution starts with the evolution of the mind. The song Breaking New Ground from the breakdown. Breaking new ground.